0: super talk mississippi media production specializing in ford nissan chrysler dodge jeep and rams corinthautogroup.com and fordofcorinth.com where cars and happy drivers meet visit us now in person or online with the experience you deserve
1: howdy howdy it's rhino here and i wanted to say thank you for listening to middays with gerard gibbert here on super talk mississippi
3: Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host, Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music on this Hump Day. Well, yesterday we shared the story, uh, you recall, Rhino, of the Loyola professor who said that keeping your house a bit tidy, specifically your pantry and your kitchen, is racist, classist, and sexist. Now, it just made me think about keeping thing the main thing, you know? I think Haley Barber was famous for saying that. Keeping the main thing the main thing. When I... Mention mentioned the city of New York. What would you think would be of the challenges the city presently faces? What comes to mind as kind of the main thing there? Uh, Either crime or rats. Crime. Sure. Didn't take you long to cipher on that, did it? No. Well, not according to the mayor of the Big Apple. That would be Eric Adams. He's waging war on your diet.
1: Because, of course, he is.
3: (laughs) In the name of climate change. No, no, no. Not crime. Not that New Yorkers are visitors to the once great city. Fear for their lives, just walking down the street at least their safety. you can't you can't just stroll around New York anymore without constantly looking out for someone that wants to do harm. Nope, he don't want you eating meat anymore. That's what the mayor's office there is concerned about. They're going to begin cracking down on food production and consumption in an effort to curb greenhouse gas emissions and boost their climate agenda. You see, New York City has their own, it's a city of 8 million people, has their own Department of Environmental Protection. And they released a greenhouse gas inventory as part of their announcement, highlighting the carbon footprint across the city. And so, they say that, uh, and I'm quoting here, we already know that a plant-powered diet is better for your physical and mental health, and I am living proof of that, says Eric Adams. But the reality is that thanks to this new inventory, we're finding out it's better for the planet. And so, looks like that they're going to push that Schools, New York City schools, public sector entities, they're going to start transitioning away from meat, being on the diet, being on the menu, and encouraging the private sector to come along with them. Now, the one cool thing about New York, if you had not been, if you have, great. I've been countless times. It's a dang good place to eat.
1: World-class restaurants. Known for that. Including Not just the world-class restaurants. There's something like 30,000, 40,000 pizza places. Okay. Are they all going to start serving vegetarian pizza with cauliflower crust? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yummy.
3: And, of course, it being the melting pot that it is, there's lots of ethnic food unbelievable asian food oh yeah guess what lot of lot of beef in those dishes and chicken sure well that's bad for the environment we can't do that anymore and i bring this up because i think it's consistent with the left's approach to every problem, many of which maybe aren't even problems. I'm not totally convinced climate change is a problem yet. Not Certainly not to the degree, the degree they want us to believe it is, because m- much of the doom and gloom they predicted and the time uh, frame for it to materialize come to fruition, it's already passed.
1: Al Gore made a killing telling everybody there'd be no snow on Mount Fuji by this point in history. So true. Apparently there's still snow on Mount Fuji and Al Gore's still full of it.
3: <laughs> and the polar ice caps are still polar ice caps, I think. But it it's never about let's find some let's use human creativity, ingenuity, innovation to address these issues. It's always you just got to do with less. You got to be miserable because they're just miserable. At the end of the day, it's you got to do with less. Less, less, less. Less is better. Now, of course, the people that are lecturing us and directing us this way, demanding that we behave in this way, not for them. They jet around in Gulfstreams telling us this and enjoy $500 meals at, what was it, the French laundry? That Newsom went to during the COVID lockdowns. So photos went viral, of course, with him Rules celebrating. for thee,
1: but not for me. You just got to do with less. And it's not even the first time a loser Democrat has proposed changing your diet for nonsensical reasons. Remember back when Michelle Obama was going to change every school lunch, and then they just wound up throwing it all away because kids (laughs) weren't going to eat brown rice, couscous, and wheat bread? That's so true. That is absolutely true. But they know better than you because they have a D by their name, (laughs) and they have the self-appointed moral high ground.
3: (laughs) It just always fascinates me. Again, you got to do with less. Everything's about that. And I say again, this country has done way more than any other nation to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions. And the way we have done that is through innovation, ingenuity, human invention. That's how we've done it. But guess what that takes? Prosperity. You think poor people are worried about that? No, they're worried about eating. They're worried about surviving. That's why India and China are the world's biggest polluters. That's what they're worried about. It's just incredible. But, yep, he's coming for your food in a city. What would you tell us the other day? Like 8,000 incidents of shoplifting committed by 320 people in a city of eight. It was over
1: 6,000 shoplifting incidents that were attributed to 327 people.
3: And he's worried about eating meat. That's just unbelievable. Uh, And this is who we put in these positions of power. Incredible. Well, uh, also out in Washington State. Beautiful state, by the way. Really is gorgeous. It's just loony. At least the western part of it is. They're trying to get rid of guns all together. A gun store owner in Tacoma says they have an agenda, and that agenda is to get rid of guns. He, this this uh, person who said that, named Bruce Smith, the manager of Surplus Ammo and Arms in Tacoma. And eventually, all guns. The governor, Jay Inslee, they've been pushing, he and the attorney general, they've been pushing for a sweeping gun control package and that includes a ban on the manufacture, sale and import of so-called assault weapons, mandates safety training, and a 10-day waiting period to buy a gun. Also included in this bill, which looks like it's going to be signed into law, would require gun makers and dealers to take reasonable steps to keep their products out of the hands of, quote, Dangerous individuals. So you oh, mean yeah. mean like Antifa? Right.
1: <laughs> or other trans activists?
3: Pretty much set up shop, took over. Seattle there, not so long ago. The bill requiring safety training in the waiting period goes into effect January 1, 2024, but the so-called assault weapons ban is taking effect immediately. This is the 10th state in the country to adopt such bans. Again, you look at the problems that the state of Washington is dealing with, this just don't solve any of them, honestly. We're in the Element Well Studios. Law professor Christopher Green on the program at 11.05 will talk about the case that will decide whether public officials can block critics on social media. At 12.05, a state senator, Bryce Wiggins, will weigh in on the NAACP suits against the state on those bills regarding the city of Jackson. Stay with us.
2: Gerard Gibbert, he keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk,
1: Mississippi.
3: the Element Wealth Studios, are you thinking about or planning on retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to MyElementWealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. The Dow, it's off of its lows. It's come back some. Since a little while ago, it's down 10 points right now. It was down as much as 150 points earlier today. The big news overnight in the uh, financial world is that Microsoft, surprised, beat top and bottom line earnings and revenue, revenue and earnings, bested expectations, and that is propelling the stop today. Let me check. A minute ago, I looked. It was up 20 bucks a share on, t- on this one day. Uh, $21.50. That's 7.8%. So, a couple of days ago, I knew they were going to be announcing earnings. And I knew the market was looking for them to miss. And I just had a feeling that They were not going to miss, that they were going to come in better than expected. And so I added to my position. Turned out to be a good move. Now, you don't bat a thousand doing this, I can assure you. I just got lucky, I guess, but just a gut feel. No no science behind it, just a gut feel. Dow down now 20. But strong tech earnings leading the Nasdaq, electric car sales up 55% in 2022. Tesla stock down, GM down. 10 million total sold in 22 uh, overall. That's interesting to watch uh, all that unfold. So, speaking about diet, you see this story about the mother in Canada feeding her toddler crickets, bugs, to ensure adequate protein intake because this mother says, I can't afford groceries. Can't afford the groceries. So the cost of living has just gone up too much. Tiffany Lay, a resident of Toronto, said she was experimenting with different ways to fulfill, fulfill the nutritional needs of her child. So she's adding crickets to her 18 month old's diet. She embraced the addition of crickets, quote, to cut down on the family's grocery bill without compromising on the child's protein intake. Again, the left driving this misery. You think the 18-month-old enjoys eating crickets? Serious question. Doesn't know what they are, of course.
1: Have you ever had baby food?
3: It's pretty bad, isn't it? Right. Is there, you know, is there a word to describe one who eats bugs, like vegetarian if you eat, don't eat meat, right? Carnivore, herbivore, that sort of stuff. Is there like a word?
1: Insectivore.
3: (laughs) Insectivore. (laughs) It's the little insectivore, 18-month-old insectivore. What do you bet that a great deal of this has nothing to do with the grocery bill, but it's for
1: attention? Yeah, because edible crickets are not cost-effective, unless you're buying chicken-feed crickets. (laughs) I mean, there are companies that sell edible crickets. You can get chili lime (laughs) crickets. You can get habanero crickets. You can get hickory crickets. But they're like... 30 bucks a bag.
3: (laughs) What about the bait shop? Can you (laughs) pick you up some crickets down there? Bring your little canister? (laughs) Little
1: cricket cage. (laughs)
3: That's right. It's not funny, honestly. It's sick. I'm sorry. It's sick. Oh, my gosh. But Joe's going to come in and finish the job. That's what he (laughs) says. (laughs) Meanwhile, this debt ceiling deal, still hanging out there, and at this point, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Now, we thought, and we reported yesterday, that Kevin McCarthy was going to put the uh, his, his spending bill up to a vote in the House, but... Now it appears that's been pushed to tomorrow. Not going to do it today. Still working on the
1: votes. I saw reporting where they'd finally come to agreement. Okay. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's still going to be tomorrow. Still going to be tomorrow. I
3: don't know if the votes are there. Now, surely he's counted the votes before he puts this thing on the floor. But it's amazing watching the conference, the Republicans in the House, and where they stand on this. And so there are some that um, say they're, no, they're a no, and they have some issues. Two Republicans already on the record, Representative Nancy Mace of South Carolina and Tim Burchett from Tennessee. Oh, Representative Andy Biggs, says, well, the first two, the former two, say they're a definite no. Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona is a lean no. So that's three. He can lose five, I believe, assuming all Democrats vote no. Uh, Burchett, one of the no's, said that he hasn't heard from uh, McCarthy yet, and he doesn't really say why in this case. Um, But there is a group of Republicans in the Midwest, and they are the biggest problem for McCarthy in this bill, because it includes rolling back some tax incentives for biodiesel. Of course, the Midwest uh, states produce lots of corn, and it is a a big uh, part of their economy. It's a big producer of revenue and income for many of their constituents. So they're concerned about how rolling back these tax incentives... You see, that's a problem unto itself, is it? Your business is not viable without tax incentives. Now, I understand people get upset about all the various... Credits and subsidies and deductions, et cetera, grants that go to the private sector. I share their concerns, by the way. But for the most part, those organizations would certainly take a financial hit if they weren't available. But it doesn't mean, and it's not as as is the case here, where their industry is not viable without taxpayer incentives. That's different. That's a bad place to be in. And that's what's happening here. So these members have demanded changes to the bill, and they've told the Speaker they're undecided at this point.
1: Oh, gosh. So... I would say it could be argued that proves Democrats don't really care about the environment because the environmentalists scream and cry and whinge and everything (laughs) else about monocrops are bad for the environment. (laughs) So they should be on board if it's going to harm monocrops. Oh man!
3: So the uh, the Iowa House delegation is really dug in. The Republicans in their opposition to this bill because of those subsidies. And I believe there are four, if I'm not mistaken, there. So you see the problem is you because the House was not transitioned and taken over by from a control perspective by the Republicans by a wide margin, anything you want to get through that's partisan such as this. This is obviously a partisan measure, meaning it won't it won't garner any Democrat support. You can't afford to lose too many out of your conference. You got such a small razor thin margin there. And this is a problem trying to get everybody on the same page. The House minority majority whip Tom Emmer from Minnesota told reporters yesterday, We're going to be good. We're going to get this thing passed. We shall see. We're coming right back in the
2: Element Well studios. Elm.fm. Most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Everyone, it's midday's super talk, Mississippi. Yeah, so the uh, the president made some crazy comment about the uh, McCarthy spending plan to negotiate the debt ceiling, and of course, he's already said that he will veto it should it get to him in the white house he said quote this is in a speech yesterday to a uh, a bunch of friendlies members of a union you ever noticed that he really doesn't care about workers in this country if they're not in a union they get all the attention have you ever seen a president speak so much to groups of union members, which make up, what, like 6% of the workers in the country? It's, it's minimal and has been shrinking. Now, it's gaining some steam now because the Democrats are making it much easier to unionize and really facilitating growth of labor unions. But I don't know that I've ever seen a president pander so much to one group, one block. Everywhere he goes, it's always speaking to a group of union members. And he lies about all these personal experiences and affiliations with unions. But he said, it's just the same old trickle-down dressed up in MAGA clothing. It's worse than ever. Let's be clear. A plan has details. Really? (laughs) Really? Well, Mr. President, if you're listening, which, of course, he's not, here are the details of the House debt ceiling proposal. Raises the nation's debt limit by $1.5 trillion. That, to itself, is insane that we have to do that. Rolls back spending to 2022 levels, and then imposes a 1% cap on future spending, claws back... Unspent COVID funds, rescinds the grossly unfair student loan payment relief program, cancels the $80 billion over 10 years to fund new IRS staff, repeals many of the green tax credits included in the inflation. Reduction Act, it also enacts the RAINS Act. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but its purpose is to limit the executive power, the president's power, executive overreach, if you will. And that includes, and so just to clarify that, the president basically can direct this Byzantine apparatus agency complex to entrenched deep state bureaucrats to just do all sorts of stuff that really wasn't done through the standard congressional lawmaking process. A great example is what we shared last week about the Federal Housing Agency implementing new mortgage rules where those with higher credit scores will pay higher fees, higher fees which are embedded in a mortgage and used to extrapolate a mortgage rate. Bottom line is, if you're responsible in handling your household financial affairs, you'll pay more, and if you're irresponsible, you'll pay less. So the responsible are subsidizing the irresponsible. That seems to be applied a lot. Does it not in our society?
1: Today? It's the internalized liberal mantra. It sure seems like it. And then the other aspect. Gimme, gimme, gimme! Look at me! Pay attention to me! Gimme, gimme! It's all about me. <laughs> and then
3: the other aspect is to pass HR one. That's basically the House GOP plan to promote the production of energy, American energy, to get back to. Energy, so-called energy independence. Well, this is what Joe Biden describes as trickle-down, dressed up in MAGA clothing. That's what he calls it. Unbelievable. Uh, So, there it is. Those are the details there. Folks, uh, Mr. President, if you're listening, that's the plan. Those are the details. I Well, he might know
1: the details if he'd actually take a meeting. That's true. Good point.
3: Uh, And thus far, he's refused to do so. Simply will not talk. I also learned that, doing a little research here, when he was vice president, you know, he was kind of assigned as the president, Barack Obama's envoy, to run points. On negotiating the debt ceiling. And voted against it as a senator 11 times. And what an about face now. Now it's off the table. We can't talk about it. Can't negotiate it. No strings attached. There are lots of conflicts in this guy's history, are there not? Lots of them.
1: It's almost like he's been a bumbling fool talking out of both sides of his mouth his whole adult life. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then, of course, one one of the provisions of the Limit, Safe, and Grow Act, that's how it is styled, how it is named, the uh, McCarthy debt ceiling bill, one of those provisions w- would, of course require recipients of various government benefits, such as Medicaid, food stamps, housing assistance, you got to at least show you're looking for work. Now, why is that considered the end of democracy? Because that's what they're saying. Why is that considered trickle-down?
1: Because it impedes their march to Marxism. I believe you're right.
3: So it's going to be interesting to see how this will play out on the C Spire text line. Dan in Hattiesburg wants to know if the mom feeding crickets to her toddler is also eating the crickets. That was not included in the report, but it's a great question. Is it is is it one of those crickets for thee, steak for me? Deal? <laughs> um. Gerard, I'm curious your position on federal ethanol and farmer subsidies. That's Jeff in Forest County. It depends on the specific subsidy, Jeff, and and what is described as a subsidy. And I know that we live in a state where the agricultural the agriculture industry comprises almost a third of our state's GDP. So it really depends on that and what that's being used for and the purpose. I certainly have a problem with these ethanol subsidies in that that's all about climate change. That's not some way to stimulate or boost economic output. That's just climate change. And it's an industry that evidently is not viable without these subsidies. So I, I need to know some more details on that. In general, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm opposed to that. And I know that in the SNAP bill that's part of the, the annual so-called farm bill, I know folks around here always pay a lot of attention to that because it does include some of those um, federal subsidies, grants, etc. to that industry. So I just need to know more about it.
1: I would say there's a stark difference, I mean I'm not for subsidies personally, but there's a stark difference between ethanol subsidies and food subsidies. Agree. Like you said, one is climate change, Gasoline, locomotion, the other's feeding people. Yeah. Feeding it, people is a lot more important than locomotion and climate change.
3: Agree. The the latter being ideological. That's more consistent with an ideological agenda and, and has no other uh no utility to society. Other than just trying to promote an ideological agenda. And that's how they see it. Perfectly fine. Which is one of the reasons that McCarthy wants to roll back this panoply of subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm still curious, we said that I think yesterday, how many people are running out and buying solar panels, uh, new electric water heaters, electric appliances, upgrading their electrical panels and all the other things that the subsidies can be used for. Who's doing that? Who's taking advantage of that? Because if, if folks aren't doing it, well then, seems like the the goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions by people converting to electric power, using those subsidies to help finance that, that that goal's not being met. Are we going to measure that or not? We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Professor Chris Green at 11.05.
2: days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for.
3: Back in the Element Well
1: studios.
3: Lion Eyes by the Eagles. Thanks for bumping us in with that one there, Rhino. On the C Spire text line Does Gerard know that John Travolta's Saturday Saturday Night Fever suit sold for $300,000? Wow, that would be the um, iconic three piece handmade white suit. The actor, dancer, disco dancer in that movie War. I saw that and I looked at it. Yeah, two hundred and sixty thousand dollars at a California auction. That's pretty cool. Two hundred and sixty k. Give us uh, the people an update on this situation in Lee
1: County. Yeah, there is an escaped inmate who was wanted for killing a pastor, and uh, the inmate is believed to be dead following a standoff with police in Leake County. Uh, Apparently he's one of the four that escaped from the detention center this weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Uh, One is believed to be in Texas, and this one is believed to be dead in Leake County after a standoff after he allegedly killed Jackson preacher Anthony Watts Monday evening before stealing Pastor Watts' vehicle. So uh, that's about all the details we've got at this point, but we'll update you when we get more.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. On the C-SPIRE text line, Darren and Jackson, don't all those plants for a plant-based diet need CO2 to grow and thrive? I, I see and hear that a lot. I believe that's the case. Uh, again, I just think it's about making you do with less. Just what can we make them do without? Another example... Washington's Olympia School District. (laughs) I think it's the biggest one in the state. We were just talking about Washington and their gun bans. (laughs) They're facing a budget shortfall of $11.5 million. And last week, they voted to eliminate band and strings for fourth grader in an effort not just to save money. No, no, no. To fight racism, they, they say that the um, these music classes are healthy for young minds, but they are disproportionately rolled out across the twelve elementary schools, and so there's a disparity. There's what they're saying. The board director told concerned parents about the loss of this, the band classes. He said that um, the school district lives in and is entrenched in and is surrounded by white supremacy culture. And that's a real thing. He said there's nothing intrinsically white supremacist about string or instrumental music but warned that there are ways in which it could contribute to a racist culture. Help me understand how that contributes to a racist culture. You know, we said yesterday, following is a list of all the things the left does not consider to be racist. I couldn't think of anything. There's some racial undertone, some racial connotation to everything on the planet. And here we go. Unbelievable. It's having a disparate impact across our schools on students who choose to participate in band and strings and those who choose not to. Jeez. I don't know that this nonsense is going to end anytime soon. Purdue student government. Crazy stuff that happens on college campuses. And, and the reason I think this is important to talk about is because this is the next generation of leaders. Government leaders, business leaders, community leaders. This is where they're coming from. They're not far from graduating and, and entering the real world, as they say. The Purdue University Student Government they're allocating $17,000 for a rainbow crosswalk. Very important that you have that on a thriving college campus. The crosswalk will span the intersection of Mitch Daniels Boulevard, you remember him, he was the governor, became the the president of the university, formerly West State Street and Grant Street. They're they are, however. <laughs> They're concerned about the environmental impact of the thermoplastics being <laughs> used in the construction. But oh, the president of the, the Boiler Green Initiative, is what it's called, said, Well, there's already a lot of plastic around anyway. <laughs> Seventeen grand for a rainbow crosswalk. Wait till I tell you later on what Michigan State is spending $38 million on. Chris Green, law professor at Ole Miss, up next. And
2: now, and now. the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays live from the Element Well Studios on this hump day. Joining us now, Christopher Green, law professor with the University of Mississippi Law School. Good to see you, Professor. Good to see you. Yes, sir. So we uh, thought it'd be good to get you on to talk about this decision by the Supreme Court. I think it may have been just yesterday or it was Monday where they have agreed to consider uh, a matter that I guess would be related to the First Amendment, whether or not government officials could, could ban uh, critics on social media platforms. What do you think about
0: this? Is that, is that the gist of the case? That's right, so they uh, so just looking at the the cases that they have coming up, so we got a whole bunch of, of really big cases coming uh, this term. They're going to decide, let us know uh, what the rules are for affirmative action and for uh, Indian law and for uh, 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 you know the the website one of the websites uh, about. Uh, uh, weddings. Uh, th- those cases are coming this term, but uh, the cases they're granting now, these are the ones that they're going to gonna hear by June 2024. Okay. Uh, and they really have not, they don't have that many. They only have seven cases they've granted, and two of them uh, were on the same issue on Monday. So um, I always always want to remind people uh, these are actually technically 14th Amendment cases because uh, okay. the first word of the First Amendment is Congress. So these are local people, local school board and a local city manager uh, who had, um, so both Twitter and Facebook uh, issues with blocking. Um, and then the question is basically, it's a pretty narrow uh, uh, question. Um, to what extent are they wearing, uh, when, when they go on Twitter or Facebook, are they wearing a public official hat? Uh, are they acting as the government? Is the state Acting uh, when you know they 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 block these things. If they you know the state can sometimes block uh, discussion. They can remove unruly people from a from a a, a place of a public discussion. But sure. uh, does it's just this threshold question. Do free speech principles uh, apply at all? So you have two uh, two cases. It involved so they're very long detailed uh, stories about what exactly was on uh, this fellow's Facebook page. You know. I, Get a lot of pictures of his dog and pictures <laughs> of his family, and you know, lists like what What is your job? Well, I'm a dad to X, Y, and Z, and uh, a husband to X, and oh, also I'm the city manager of something. Th- that kind of question, you know, how much discussion about city business on the web page has to happen before oh, you know, suddenly you're you're subject to these restraints and you got to be. Uh, gotta be nice to everybody and let people uh, discuss things. So there's uh, so one was one was a city manager in in uh, in uh, Michigan. Michigan, another yeah. was a couple of school board members in uh, California. and they the cases came out the other way. So the Supreme Court, generally, you look at these 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 cases where they agree to review things, uh, sometimes uh, it's the only case like it, and they say, well, they probably are granting review to reverse. Uh, you're certainly expecting them to disagree just because they, wouldn't re- they don't have to review it. Here, there were cases going both ways. They disagreed with each other quite explicitly. Uh, so it's called a circuit split uh, between the Sixth Circuit and the Ninth Circuit. Really, it, it's hard to say which, uh, which way they're going to go. Hmm. Um, but basically, the Ninth Circuit, uh, as, <laughs> as is their want, they have sort of a, a, a much uh, looser, goosier uh, 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 test to use. Uh, that looks at, well, you know, how does it look to people? Does it look like they're acting like the school board when they when they have this uh, stuff? Or does it look to people uh, like it's just a personal uh, personal account? Uh, so uh, uh, appearance matters and uh, the purposes that they're using. Are they trying to campaign or are they trying to actually uh, do the job? That, that kind of stuff. The, the Sixth Circuit, the case for Michigan, uh, they use a, a test that really looks at the uh, is the governmental authority that somebody has in virtue of having that position being used uh, uh, to run that Facebook account, that Twitter account? I, I think it was just a Facebook one, a Michigan one. But um, the Sixth Circuit seems like it's a little uh, a little sharper, uh, a little more like a rule, a little more like uh, what you like the law to be, uh, but, uh, but it's hard to say what, what, what they're going to prefer.
3: And a lot of public officials have multiple accounts. They'll have an official account representing them in their capacity as a public official, and then they'll have a personal account. But uh, would the courts make a distinction there, like, okay, this is clearly your personal account, you even styled this one as whatever the title is, your office title, including your name or something, and, and that's a different situation or would, would uh, be subject to a different standard than a personal account. Is that a nuance they would consider?
0: Oh, absolutely. They, they, so, so I think whatever happens, it's pretty clear they're going to have some sort of totality of the circumstances analysis where that would be one of the relevant factors. Sure. Uh, it's just a question like, well, what would? What question are you asking about all these factors? Uh, but, you know, for instance, in uh, uh, remember Donald Trump? Uh, so uh, he had uh, on Twitter, you know, the real Donald Trump where he yeah. had all the spicy, interesting uh, stuff <laughs> on Twitter.
3: But yeah. then he
0: had WhiteHouse.gov. Yeah. Um, or not not .dot gov, but you know, just the, you know, White House, and it had a lot of the similar stuff. Um, but like the the real Donald Trump Twitter, the the picture was uh, uh the you know his older picture. Uh, but the White House, you know, when he was president, was you know him wearing a suit, looking a little more respectable. Yep. And Biden inherited the White House one. Uh, So there was litigation about it. So real Donald, the uh, 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 President Trump, when he was when he was president, blocked people on both of these of some particular uh, group, the Knight Institute, I think, on both of these. Biden then inherited the White House Twitter handle. And by then, uh, uh, Trump had gotten kicked off Twitter. So it ended up not being being resolved uh, back in uh, 2021. uh, But there was a, a bunch of discussion in 2021 about exactly that that distinction. Okay. Uh, so you looked at back back when he had both uh, uh, Twitter things, the White House Twitter feed said this is the the uh, the Twitter feed for the White House, who is, you know, the president is re- at real Donald Trump. So it was like the the one official website very clearly, you know, would be inherited by the next president is pointing people to real Donald Trump uh, uh, as as the, you know, it's not clear what they're pointing to before. Just yeah. saying who it is or, you know, saying go over there to see what executive policy. But then you, you go through the tweets and you have to say, well, he's, you know, responding to foreign policy crises uh, on that account. Yeah. Um, he's he's the or he's the he speaks for the United States uh, when he conducts foreign policy. If he's doing that on the personal account, uh, it really it seems like certainly seems like state action. Um, if all he's doing on the one is saying, you know, I'm a great person to be president, uh, rather than actually acting as president, um, then it, you, you, could, you could say, well, it's just a personal account. And that, that's a big distinction in the Ninth Circuit case. Where sure. these, these folks say, well, basically what we're doing is campaigning to be reelected as school board members. Uh, we're not uh, conducting business as the school board. Um, but it, you know, but the job description of a school board member is, uh, is pretty fuzzy itself. <laughs> well, uh, so there's a bunch of, a bunch of complicated questions like that, but you know, no question like there's going to be a lot of details about, well, how many tweets in a thousand do mm-hmm. you have to have about official business before, it's state action and uh, kind of thing that shows up on law school exam uh, uh, <laughs> hypos all the time. Uh, if I were teaching a First Amendment class, it just like take these take these fact patterns and put them on a on an exam. And uh, you know, would the Ninth what would the Ninth Circuit do with the Sixth Circuit fact pattern? What would the Sixth Circuit do with the Ninth Circuit fact? Classic class thing to ask uh, ask people. But I'm not teaching uh, uh, the First Amendment. I don't. Uh, you know, in case my any any of my students think that's going to happen, not going to happen uh, this spring. <laughs> so would there would there would the courts consider? Um,
3: I, I guess the degree to which these uh, these responses, these comments, this engagement from critics in the public would rise to the level of harassment and hostility. Is that different than just being critical?
0: Yeah, so there's there's one threshold issue, which is what they're going to talk about in these cases, which is just what counts as state action. So once you're once you're, you say, okay, yeah, you're acting as a school board member. So the, 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 the school board folks, the message, I mean, they really were pretty troll. I mean, there were a lot of messages, sure. uh, like hundreds of messages yeah. in 10 minutes. Um, sometimes that, I mean, you, you can do that under the first amendment. Uh, so uh, there's a, a just a lot of standard first amendment doctrine about, you know, when can you remove people from a limited public forum? You can have uh, you know restrictions that are reasonably related to uh, uh, the purpose of the forum. Sure, you know sometimes you gotta ask a question a couple hundred times before you get an answer. (laughs) I I would be the the argument for the the uh, the fellow, Uh, and you know think well, he's just you know he's not doing anything physically intimidating. It's not preventing other people from using the. uh, using the website. Let, let him make a couple hundred comments. Uh, you can you can mute the guy. This is always the thing. you could know, on, on Twitter when you, everybody gets blocked, you say, well, why not just mute me? You know, let me see your tweets. you know, there's no reason to, yeah to, to shut totally me out block of the forum entirely. you don't have yeah. to listen.
3: Yeah, it makes sense. Appreciate you uh, joining us today, Professor. as always, appreciate your insight. it's it's fascinating, and I'm sure we'll probably talk some more about it. Thanks for joining us.,
0: yeah, it's coming up. Thanks.
3: Professor Christopher Green uh, with the Ole Miss Law School has been our guest here on Middays. We're coming right back. Stay with us.
2: The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it, go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gippert
3: The great Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul, on the ceasefire text line, referring to the incredibly draconian laws passed in Washington concerning gun control. On the ceasefire text line, Washington, help us pass this stupid gun law. Me. Why? Washington, so you can't stop us from passing all the other stupid laws we want. <laughs> that's the idea, of course. I'd say get the heck out of Washington, honestly, is what uh, I think the remedy is for that sort of craziness going on.
1: You've got plenty of land in the Magnolia State if any of those firearms manufacturers want to move from Washington to Mississippi. Come on down. Love to have you. Also, former
3: governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, says he is a candidate for president of these United States as a Republican. So, who we got in the field now? Let's think through it. We got Trump, Nikki Haley, Vivek, B- Ramaswamy. Vivek Ramaswamy, Asa Hutchinson. Who else on the Republican side? Tim Scott's not official.
1: Right. He's at, he's at exploratory meetings. DeSantis, same deal, not official. Um, Chris Christie's been pretty present and vocal, but I don't think he's going to throw his hat in the ring. He's certainly disgusted, I agree. And then uh, Chris Sununu
3: from New Hampshire. He's pretty much said, I'm just going to stay here, be governor. So I don't know that we have anybody else that might suit up. Did I also see that Donald Trump said he would not participate In debates, Am I getting that right? That if the Republicans had debates, it's something related to debates he's made a statement about. The Democrats have said they're not going to have any debates. They're, of course, looking to protect Joe Biden. And at this point, it'd be based on those who have officially thrown their hat into the ring. It would be Joe Biden, Robert Kennedy Jr., and Marianne Williamson.
1: Yeah, here's uh, Trump's statement. Quote, I see that everybody's talking about the Republican debates, but nobody got my approval or the approval of the Trump campaign before announcing them. Okay. When you're leading by seemingly insurmountable numbers and you have hostile networks with angry Trump and MAGA-hating anchors asking the questions, why subject yourself to being libeled and abused? Also, the second debate is being held at the Reagan Library, the chairman of which is amazingly Fred Ryan, publisher of The Washington Post. No. <laughs> okay.
3: Wow, I've I miss that. They're always entertaining. Certainly, Trump and uh, you remember the field, like the first one, had, like fifteen on the stage at one time, right? And Trump pretty much had <laughs> he had personal nicknames for <laughs> every single one of them.
1: And I just wasn't aware that the. <laughs> RNC had to run it by a candidate to right. have debates.
3: That's uh, showing a bit of hubris, is it not, on his part? Yeah, that's inappropriate, Mr. President. You don't run the deal.
1: And you would think it would actually hurt him if he didn't show up to a debate and the debate stage was full of other Republicans getting to espouse their platform planks. And you would also think that if that were the case,
3: given that he is the frontrunner, they would invest a lot of uh, Their cycles on blasting him, condemning criticizing calling him out
1: you would in think in which case his only recourse would be to go to truth social and send out a message right because he 's already said he 's not coming back to Twitter or Facebook he
3: sure did even though he 's been allowed back right him. the companies have cleared the way for him
1: to uh, reengage his accounts have been reactivated he 's been replatformed it just doesn 't seem strategically advantageous I mean he might have thought that, but he didn't have to come out and say it. Yeah, Because now, like you said, you literally gave them the ammo they need to fire at you from the debate stage. (laughs) I agree. But you know that he'd be active
3: on his truth social platform live while the debates were going on. He'd be expressing his views. David says, my 18th month old loves chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. Not crickets! If you missed it, folks, we shared a story where a Canadian mother is taken to feeding her 18-month-old toddler, baby, crickets because uh, of the high price of groceries. Interesting. The really crazy lefties support eating bugs to combat cow-fart-driven climate change, says Robert from Columbia. That is true. Fried crickets and grasshoppers are available at most markets in Mexico and Central America.
1: Is that true? No, thanks. Among other insects, yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, you can get scorpion lollipops. Hmm. Malcolm
3: from Tishomingo wants to know if he even produced, talking about Joe Biden's re-election video, or was it AI produced? It doesn't look like this, his 80-year-old self. Well... Lights and makeup can do miracles, can they
1: not, Rhino? Uh, yeah, AI has advanced, but it's it's not there yet. I mean, I saw a, a completely AI-generated pizza commercial that's been making the rounds on social media. And if you were not paying attention, if it were on a screen in an airport and you were walking by, you might believe it was a real pizza commercial, but if you pay just a fraction of attention to it, it's like, this doesn't look right. Yeah. This is off. Those faces are weird. The hands don't make sense. Yeah. They're not actually eating the food, they're eating the plate. Okay.
3: Well, exactly. Well, in fact, it's uh, a bit ironic that the RNC, I believe, is it the RNC or is it just some Republican group that have created uh, an AI powered attack ad? Have you seen this? <laughs> I have not. Yeah. That's true. Um, you know, you've, you've seen the deep fake type videos. I mean, there's nothing new right. on that. But apparently, Republicans shared an apocalyptic, this is from Forbes, AI-powered attack ad against Biden. How about that? Uh, I haven't seen it, honestly, so I don't know what it looks like but you know you're going to see more and more use of ai are you not in creating campaign materials such as videos and
1: yeah but social media i feel media like posts. a lot of people are looking at ai as one of two things either the next big thing and we've taken a gigantic leap forward or it's terrifying and they're in fear of the terminator and i would say neither is really true because in in ai research you got three levels you've got narrow intelligence general intelligence and super intelligence right we've only mastered narrow intelligence where right. you can feed into an ai a data set and it can use that data set better than a human could right faster than a human could not better faster general intelligence is a, a step we haven't A threshold we haven't crossed to where the AI could find its own data set now you have some narrow intelligences out there that are mimicking general intelligence but one of the best examples if you've ever heard of the game go it's a very popular game in Asia it's similar to the board game Othello with little black stones and little white stones and you capture them on a grid and It was a a major milestone in AI research. I want to say it was 2006, 2007, Hmm. when the world master Go player was beaten by an AI. Hmm. One problem. Earlier this year, MIT researchers got an amateur Go player that could beat that AI. Hmm. So AI isn't this panacea answer to everything, especially when the people utilizing it can't explain how it works.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's uh, so much in store for us in this front. It's it's fascinating. I've been consuming lots of articles, reports, white papers, and so forth about AI. And again, it's not it's not a new technology. It's just that we have the the underlying power and infrastructure, and really availability easy access and availability to uh, the knowledge base it needs to perform its AI function that that's really what's making it more practical, more usable
1: than ever before. If you really want to see some of the shortfalls of current AI, just look up AI hallucinations where you can give it all verifiable data and facts and it still hallucinates stuff because it it's not actually thinking. Yeah it is fascinating. Uh, and like
3: any novel technology, as we've discussed before, there are are benefits that could be conveyed to society, and then there are challenges and risks. All depends on the application and the and the uh, person that's using the tools. We're coming right back with more in the Element Well Studio. Senator Bryce Wiggins at twelve oh five.
2: Is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Midday's with Gerard Gibbons on Super Talk Mississippi. They come from the cities and they come from the smaller towns. They beat up cars with guitars and
4: drummers
3: Welcome back, everyone. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi will be on the square in Oxford on Friday for the annual Double Decker Festival. There's a ton of things happening at this year's Double Decker Festival, including music from southern rock band Blackberry Smoke and the Magnolia State's very own Chapel Heart. It's coming up. This Friday, Sports Talk going to be on the Square
1: in Oxford. That's And like... they're all doing their level best to make sure they still have their voice. That's true.
3: <laughs> we don't want another cancellation deal like that, do we? <laughs> Good grief. Jeez. Probably the most excitement I've ever seen in Conway, Mississippi, says Tom and Carthage. Talking about the escapee? Is that what he's talking about there?
1: Yeah, the um, the update on that is the escaped inmate is believed to be deceased after the house he was in became engulfed in flames. Jeez. Okay. Nacho. I had gotten conflicting reports on that, so that's why I didn't add that earlier. But yeah, it looks like that's how he went out. Man,
3: wonder how they escaped. Any any information on that? Any details? Wow. So it turns out this Republican anti-Biden ad created by artificial intelligence, they maintain that it's a deep, critics maintain it's a deep fake. So not real subjects and so forth, but are rather emulations of the subject.
1: Which, when it comes to deepfakes, that's just another example of China using technology to weaken its foes. No doubt. They have banned deepfakes in China, but they still allow Chinese companies to market and distribute their deepfake technology to other countries.
3: Interesting that, according to a report called Deep Trace, 96% of all deepfake videos found online in 2020 were pornography. That makes sense. Hmm. The creation of deep fakes is credited to Reddit user Deepfake. Really, I didn't know that. Who posted fake pornography on the site in 2017, swapping the faces of adult film stars with celebrities like Taylor Swift and Scarlett Johansson. Huh, Reminds me of, wasn't there a thriller movie, Two-Face or Double-Face or something like that? Was John Travolta in that? Face-Off.
1: Face-Off, that's what it was. John Travolta and Nicolas Cage.
3: Yeah, right. That's kind of what it reminds me of, sort of a precursor to that.
1: It's always a fascinating movie to go back and watch, because you have John Travolta acting like Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage acting like John Travolta. It's true. Which is... Tough to pull off. It's not quite as tough as, say, Mel Blanc doing his his voice acting. Right. Because... Bugs Bunny. Well, even better than that, Mel Blanc is, is famous for his ability to combine characters. Yep. So if you remember the episode where Elmer Fudd's hunting and you got Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny... Yep, And Daffy Duck dresses up like Bugs Bunny, and Bugs Bunny dresses up like Daffy Duck. So you have Daffy Duck doing the Daffy Duck voice impersonating <laughs> Bugs Bunny, and Bugs Bunny doing the Bugs Bunny voice impersonating Daffy Duck. And those are two manufactured voices from the mouth of Mel Blanc, and he can combine the – it's something not even modern voice actors can do. It's That's It's just true. amazing.
3: It totally is. Uh, I didn't realize just reading this report, which is all about this Republican – AI generated ad, anti Biden ad, there was one that circulated in 2018 of Barack Obama calling Donald Trump a total and complete
1: dip fill in the blank. <laughs> How about that? Jeez. I mean, there's an entire subgenre of YouTube videos now where you pick a topic and you can find a video of AI generated voices for Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump, Bush W. Like they have enough audio from these presidents that they can just put it in the AI model and the AI can spit out their voices discussing anything. And I, you know, I've seen some. Some humorous productions. Oh yeah, productions. There's some great. I mean, ones. when you got Donald Trump and Joe Biden arguing over who's the best GI Joe character, it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, there's one that that I played and
3: laughed so hard. I played it multiple times, my buddies and I, and it's got to do with uh, Donald Trump, and Nancy Pelosi. And it's it's humorous. It's not uh, harassing in nature. It's it's not insulting. It's just it's humorous.
1: It's funny. But in a world where people will read the headline and run with that, it's easy to see how they would be fooled by deepfakes and AI-generated imaging and video. If they're not critically thinking about the content, they're just absorbing it.
3: Right. And you've seen reports now of uh, cybersecurity and even phys- physical security concerns where systems may be uh, voice-activated, for example. And AI can take a person's voice and collecting it from all the audio that's published and available and piece that together and use it to uh, state instructions, directions, sometimes even to other employees, to employees of like managers. I've seen a, a case where that's happened to instruct them to do things that aren't necessarily illegal or bad or nefarious, but they're they're troublesome, let's put it that way. Yeah, so this is just an example of the risks of this new technology. Lots of benefits, lots of risks. In the wrong hands, could be destructive and harmful. In the right hands, could be productive and beneficial. That's what we have to deal with, wrestle with in society. But don't worry, because... Our federal government, they're all over this, right? They understand all this and they'll well, of course. Yeah. They'll take care of it. Joe himself will. Wow. So news during the break said escaped through the roof of a j of the jail. Okay. Appreciate that. That's Keith and J. S. that that um, informed us of that. Interesting. William and Gate uh in Greenville says just what Gates wants. I assume talking about eating crickets, eating bugs. He he did uh, do a promotional video, right, where he was consuming fake meat. Oh, it's not that bad, remember? That? No, yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, Bill. And was it Gwyneth Paltrow that had the $20,000 photo shoot just to sit there with a fancy plate full of <laughs> bugs that she didn't touch, but she wanted you to eat them? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, gosh. So
3: I we shared with you a, a couple of reports from the crazy stuff going on on college campuses, and it's daily, to produce student government allocating $17,000 for a, quote, rainbow crosswalk. Well, Michigan State University says, hold my beer. Hold my Bud Light. (laughs) They're breaking ground on a $38 million multicultural safe space. Because you've got to have a $38 million safe space. You can't function as a university without that. The Multicultural Unity Center. It sounds so virtuous, doesn't it? So noble. The center will include an elaborate amphitheater and a special dreamer division for undocumented students. They can seek their safe space, and it has been billed as a way to create a safe space for students of color enrolled at the public university. Quote, the MSU Multicultural Center must become a safe space so students can be their true, authentic selves. Marcus McDaniel, Jr., Jr., president of MSU's Black Students Alliance. Now, the cost of tuition is going through the proverbial roof, and all these colleges have these curricula that do not produce the skills one needs to be a productive contributing member of society but we got 38 million bucks to build a multicultural safe space well what happens once you graduate i can't get out of the safe space i feel safe in here
1: how much you bet you want to you won't feel safe if you go in there espousing any conservative ideals oh yeah you're Persona non grata,
3: I'm sure. The Dreamer Center will provide a safe and welcoming space where those of mixed, mixed immigration status can connect with peers and receive support, mental health resources, financial aid, and legal guidance in a private environment. Sounds an awful lot like separate but equal. Exactly what it is. They'll also have offices, a community kitchen, an art gallery wall, and a living room. Coming right back on Middays. Stay with us.
2: It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Mm. Come on, let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: So Vice President Kamala Harris is being mocked by many for her rather puzzling comments, shall we say. During the latest rally, this was held at Howard University. That's in Washington, D.C. Didn't she attend, Howard? Seems like she's a graduate of Howard. That was uh, yesterday, April 25th. And she said, um, this really didn't make any sense. She, She encouraged everyone to stand and fight, that's a direct quote, against abortion rights, voting rights, and LGBTQ rights. Huh? Stand and fight against? Here's what she said. So I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist in our present and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future.
1: <laughs> so, it Sounds what? like she started that sentence without having any idea how she was going to end it up.
3: Correct. One person who was in attendance, a student, said... Yeah, Every Kamala speech somehow sounds like the most brutally boring corporate HR seminar imaginable. That is so true. That's a pretty good way to describe it. Another person said, It's pretty striking that she is simply incapable of speaking normally. Is she actually smoking weed before grabbing the mic? (laughs) It would explain so much. A third person said, Wow. Just think, if uh, Joe was elected and he doesn't make it through the next term, that's, we'll have the word solid president. No doubt about it. Sounds like Michigan State is building a $38 million student union that whites aren't allowed in. Well, I know there'd be folks on the left that would say that when you point out this disparity in investment here, that clearly this is designed as as the comments, as per the comments from the university administration, members of the administration, that, right, this is designated for it, not only minorities, but folks that are dreamers They're not really in this country legally. They're not citizens. That's what it's designed for. Seems like there are other people in the area there that are citizens, vets, for example, that could use a helping hand more so than a safe space. Why do you need a safe space when you're attending a leading university in the country? I'm struggling with that. Why the heck do you need a safe
1: space? You're getting a college education. Because they've built up the entirety of their life on the foundation of nonsense that doesn't hold up to any scrutiny. This is terrible.
3: We have absolutely pansified the entire dang country. That's just the, that is the left's mantra. It is your life sucks, but we're here and we're gonna fix it. We're gonna build you a safe space. I listened last night to Marianne Williamson, you know who she is, running for president. And God help us, she was talking about America's plight at this point. And she made some points, honestly, I'm not sure about. She said that people are deciding on uh, skipping meals. They're skipping meals to pay the rent. People are dying due to the lack of health care. And every time I hear that, I guess it conjures up the vision to me, the image to me, of people are literally on the street dying because of lack of health care. They're dying because they're injecting dangerous drugs into their body. That's what causes that more than anything. But she said that people are skipping meals and that student debt, Has eviscerated the middle class. That debt held by so many Americans left over from paying for college that they took out to pay for their college education, that that has eviscerated their middle class, the middle class. But the skipping meals, she said, we got to have universal health care, we got to have a basic income, we got to have child care, we got to have free. Education, free, 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 this, 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 money, money, money. But she offers no solution on how to pay for that. But you know what that is. Those dirty, greedy, rich people are going to take care of it. Fox News, Super Talks News next, then Senator Bryce Wiggins.
2: Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing.
3: back, everyone. Hour 3, midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We are live in the Element Wealth Studios on this hump day. Joining us now, Senator Bryce Wiggins. He represents District 52 on the Mississippi's Gulf Coast. That includes Jackson County. Serves as the chair of the Senate Judiciary A Committee. Senator, is that still true? Senator, good to see you.
4: It is. Yeah. Can you hear
3: me? We got you. I thought so. Just wanted to make sure. Just verify right.
4: that. Yeah. Yeah, that was some journey going on there the lead in your lead-in music.
3: That's all, great. Oh, yeah. All, all three hours. That's what happens when you're when you're the host <laughs> of the show. You get to pick the music for the intro to the hours. <laughs> oh, man. So, you guys, uh, you wrapped it up down there at the Capitol seems like forever ago, but it hasn't been that long, right? Just a little over a a month, I guess, or maybe not quite a month at this point. But uh, two really high-profile pieces of legislation that uh, were signed by the governor, HB 1020 and SB 2343, Mm -hmm. both of those measures deal with some changes in uh, the city of Jackson, in, in Mississippi's capital city. And now it didn't take long for the, uh, after the governor signed those measures, the NAACP to file a lawsuit claiming that, I guess, the basis for the case, the best I can tell, uh, they call it separate and unequal policing. First, your thoughts about these bills. Did you support them? Do you think they were good ideas? Uh, why so? And what, then what do you think about uh, the NAACP's case?
4: Well, yeah. So in my role as judiciary, a chairman, um, I had the uh, responsibility and I certainly took that um, uh, uh, tremendously uh, to present uh, Senate bill. I'm sorry, House Bill 1020 to the Senate. It went through my committee um, and significantly about that one is we did a lot of work uh, to change it. Uh, to make it better, which is the legislative process. Um, And then the other bill, uh, at one point they were combined together. So I did work on those and um, yes, I supported them. I I presented the argument to the Senate and um, in a nutshell, it was that Jackson needs help. I mean, people are under crime uh, wave there. If you will, people are getting murdered. And uh, at one point during the Senate presentation, I asked the body, remember there's 52 members there, uh, who had been a, a victim of a crime, to raise their hand, and probably half the Senate raised their hand. Really? And half wait, half the Senate?
3: Half the Senate has been a victim Senate, of a crime? Including I assume you the
4: mean, Including the lieutenant governor. They're talking yes, about no, in no, the city of Jackson, right?
3: A, a victim yeah, of a crime that occurred in the city of Jackson. Of course, the lieutenant governor is a resident of the city of Jackson. That is incredible. Half raised oh, yeah. their hand.
4: Half raised their hand. And I was, uh, the camera didn't catch it because it only focuses on the presenter, but the people, I could see it, and everybody in the chamber saw it. Half the members raised their hand. And, um, remember those are folks who do live in Jackson during the session Right. and some have been multiple victims (laughs) and to your astonishment. Yeah. Imagine what's going on with the residents. Um, Hmm. and so legally, so yes, it was presented and legally, uh, it, it changed when it came to the Senate from the house. Um, and honestly, there were things that were addressed. Uh, that were criticisms and understand that's part of the process. But uh, one of the most important things to understand is much of 1020 um, is uh, provisions that were requested by the Jackson delegation a couple years ago that were supported by the Jackson delegation, Democrats, black and white, uh, and had been funded, particularly the judges, by the appropriations process through the appropriations bill. And essentially, all we did was take that and codify it so that it would be there for the next few years um, without, you know, being really going away because it could go away through the appropriations process. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was pointed out on the Senate floor, I would encourage anybody to go look at the debate, uh, particularly in the Senate, which was, I thought, very uh, adult and very um, appropriate. And you can see what the issues were being brought up. But yes, it's a, uh, it's a piece of legislation that was supported by people throughout Jackson. White, mm. black, Democrat, mm. Republican businesses. I will, I will give you another, for instance. I literally, during the bill, uh, walked out of the Capitol and was presented with a petition um, of uh, residents and business owners around the Fondren area. Um, who asked to be placed into the, ex, what's called the expanded CCID. These, and, and you can verify the names, they were black, white, Republican, Democrat, black business owners, white business owners, um, Fondra, and by the way, I live in Fondra, well, I, this year I lived in Fondra during the session. Mm-hmm. So, it, it goes all over, and then as far as the lawsuit, uh, and then, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you, Gerard. Right, fine. Um, i I read the I've I've briefly read the lawsuit online. Um, To be honest with you, what it struck me as was uh, they already had it ready before the bill ever passed. Yeah. And they were looking for, you know, they already had their arguments there. And and I will tell you this, that when I read that complaint, um, it was funny how it echoed the arguments that were made on the House and Senate floor. Like these arguments were already prepared <laughs> and the bill hadn't even been signed yet. Gotcha. And I can pick those things out and I can tell you uh, who made the arguments and what they're making. Now, I, I will be clear, I don't blame the senators and I don't blame uh, individual House members because uh, in some ways they're representing the, the folks that they need to represent. That being said, the NAACP filed this lawsuit and literally the arguments being made in that uh, lawsuit were made on the house and Senate floors by certain individuals, um, before the bill was ever signed. And so <laughs> I'll let people decide how they want to see, uh, how that weighs out.
3: Wow. That is amazing. So where do you think this case goes and what, uh, What's what's venue for such a case?
4: Well, okay, so it it is filed in the in the federal courts, which is where you file such things, and, and what they're alleging is um, violation of equal protection clause and certain civil rights okay. uh, items, which are usually addressed in federal court. Okay, and uh, they're asking for an injunction. Which that would put a pause on it all, and and so let me stop right there and say this: if the court does an injunction, well, then that means that none of this goes into effect, and that means that the citizens of Jackson, the visitors of Jackson, those the children who come to tour Jackson, um, uh, will continue to be uh, subject to the crime that is going on in Jackson. Unbelievable. And so that'll pause that. Okay. Um, And so the, the legal side of it back to the legal side of it is that they're saying, uh, because, uh, Jackson is 80% black, uh, they're being disenfranchised from electing their judges, uh, the pro and and then in particular, the Capitol police are being capital police are, are like this. And I'm paraphrasing here, this, uh, uh, Gestapo that's going on and infiltrating the city which is all far, which is all ridiculous uh, on its face. Um, I can tell you based on uh, black and white Senate House, citizens of Jackson told me that Jackson PD were not doing the job. That when Capitol Police got, got uh, funded and uh, got there, that they started Handling the crimes and handling the issues, and and one of the big issues we were dealing with was nine one one. Like literally, nobody was answering nine one one, and and JPD handles nine one one. And so that was an issue that we had to try to get fixed with what we could do with this legislation. Mm. Sounds like we're coming up on a break. I'm happy to go into it some
3: more. Yeah, Uh, we will. We'll catch you on the other side of the break if you can hang around with us. we got Senator Bryce Wiggins on the line with us talking about this legislation. Recently enacted uh, and signed by the governor that would expand the Capital Complex Improvement District and establish a new judicial district as well, but the NAACP has seen fit to sue over these actions. We're coming right back.
2: That keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Thanks for joining us today. It's midday, Super Talk, Mississippi, in the Element Well studio. Senator Bryce Wiggins from Jackson County is our guest. He's the chair of the Senate Judiciary A Committee. We're talking about these two measures concerning the city of Jackson that just were signed into law by the governor. So please continue, Senator. Uh, sounds like uh, you've got some more color. Uh, to supply us here, that, <laughs> and, and the folks need to know.
4: Um, well, to go back to your your question about the legal side of this, yeah. um, it will be in the federal court in the Northern District, so that means a federal judge will make a ruling, and then they're asking for an injunction, which I talked about that. Uh, then what they're asking for is that the, the laws be set aside um, and be ruled unconstitutional and based under, uh, the U S constitution and and specifically the 14th amendment to the U S constitution. Um, many people may not realize, but under our jurisprudence that, uh, the bill of rights were made applicable to the states through the 14th amendment. And so that's what they're arguing. Um, and if they do that, then, and if the judge rules that way, then, uh i guess jackson's out of luck at that point because no solutions have been presented by uh by these folks that i know of um and so you know that brings up the point about this this whole lawsuit in the first place um what's the solution uh we came forward and presented this it's been a couple years uh and as i mentioned earlier before the break that the Jackson delegation, and I respect them for doing it, had asked for, for assistance from the state to get a handle on this. I mean, Gerard, I distinctly remember a few years ago that there were certain people doing donuts in the middle of I 55. Oh, yeah. And I've seen it. One of the Jackson, right. One of the Jackson legislative senators, to his credit, came up and asked and put forward a bill of Democrat, by the way, put forward legislation to address that. That's crazy. Yeah, And I've so we cannot sit by a right. We cannot sit by and do that. And so the allegation is that this is a violation of uh, civil rights and all. And And I wanna say this unequivocally, there was and is no racial intent in this legislation. And I say those words in particular because, uh, what their lawsuit alleges is, uh, it was intentionally done to discriminate for, uh, against, uh, the 80% of the, uh, the black residents of Jackson. There is nothing further from the truth. I can tell you that I sat there, got the bill. We worked on it and said, what can we do to make all of Jackson? Uh, safer within the bounds that we have. And nobody has said, including the governor, that this is going to solve all the problems. But the facts remain that there is a backlog of cases. There is a backlog of uh, of criminal investigations. The district attorney uh, who is black and elected by the citizens asked for help. The district attorney has indicated that uh that um uh they need assistance the bill itself has literally in it funding and positions for public defenders this is the only place in the state that is being funded through the state for public defenders so jackson is getting that um, if if it is stopped then by the injunction then jackson won't have that um, And I wanted to go back to the district attorney. Um, Do I I wonder if I need to remind the citizens that the two prior district attorneys, uh, one was sued a whole lot. And it sounds to me like they were kind of ineffective, to say the least. Yeah. I think District Attorney Owens has been doing a good job. I said that on the Senate floor. And I think he certainly has been trying. And he asked us for help. The public defenders asked us for help and we gave it and now you have the naacp in my opinion representing a small fraction of let's just say the the far left uh who don't want to see it happen now the governor said it's the uh defund the police uh liberals who based on what i see that tends to be who wants this lawsuit to go forward. Yeah. But your DA who's elected, your public defenders who are appointed, um, they're all being uh, taken out of the equation if this bill was to be to be held up and then the citizens are back dealing with the crime.
3: What about uh, funding? uh additional funding for the capital complex capital police et cetera, since the district's being expanded and then uh the the court system itself how does that work
4: yeah so um on the capital police and then we spent a lot of time uh trying to trying to get it right and we've had to kind of uh build it up properly and commissioner tindall Uh, specifically said if y'all expanded I don't have the manpower to uh, properly uh, uh, do what needs to be done to bring public safety to these areas and so uh, he also said that for the original CCID and so he was at 50 officers bottom line is you usually use about a hundred thousand dollars Per officer, when you factor in equipment and things like that. So he was at 50. So we raised it to 150 funding. Then on the CCID, that will um, go up and that will be phased in. So again, under the bill, it won't take place, the expanded CCID, for at least another year. And that's to allow us to look and see how it's going. That's also to allow Commissioner Tyndall to present to us his budget needs. The idea is in a couple years that it would be around uh, 175 police officers to properly uh, uh, police just the capital complex. And understand this, as the governor said, JPD is understaffed, people are not on the job. Um, They're good officers in there, but they need help, and they were not doing the job. But um, I hate to put this into it, but you only need to look at the garbage situation in Jackson. I mean, at what point do people not say this is a failure of leadership? And I do think that the state legislature, whose lieutenant governor lives in Jackson, who the governor is – from the Jackson area. The speaker is from the Jackson area. You have a, a big delegation. Um, at what point do you not call it a failure of leadership? And I do think the legislature said enough is enough. We have to do something. It would be a dereliction of our oath to not try to do something. And so the as far as the lawsuit goes, it'll stand on important to know is that it uh it says intentional this wasn't done intentionally no what was intentional was to bring safety and order to jackson so that our capital city is no longer the murder capital or has the distinction of being one of the the murder capitals of the country
3: senator obviously you're from uh jackson county from uh, mississippi's gulf coast And there are just a handful of senators, two or three, that actually represent and cover the city of Jackson to constituents not from the capital city that would say, I don't really want to see state money spent and allocated to that one municipality. How do you address that? A minute ago, I heard you say not addressing this issue would would be an abdication of of, uh, their obligations as senators. Explain your thoughts there.
4: Uh, You know, Gerard, that's actually a really good question. I appreciate you bringing it up because um, you're correct. For everybody outside of Jackson, and I can tell you I've heard this from my own constituents, why should we spend taxpayer dollars to, quote, bail out Jackson? Why should we do that? Sure. And, uh, you know, if if those folks – from Biloxi, Pascagoula up to uh, South Haven. If that was left to be the case, I, I think that's where people would want. But Jackson is the capital city. Jackson is where the seat of the state government is. Jackson brings in people from all over the country and the state. And, and in terms of the capital complex, this is where most of the people come come from or come to rather. And so it is a function of state government. And um, we, it's a, we spend money in different forms, crime lab, things like that. So using it to help out Jackson is the right thing to do. And I think that's what you saw was it was a lot of people wanting to do the right thing for its citizens and to help them out and gotcha. it which goes to the point that throughout ten twenty, and I'll finish with this, yeah. throughout ten twenty, it actually repeals itself. And so this is all a temporary measure for the next three years and or three or four years, and then it goes away. So gotcha. it's not a permanent Makes if sense. you want to consider it. A t- okay, is everybody ready? I'm
2: ready, ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk, Mississippi. <laughs>
3: In the Element Well studios. It is middays. Appreciate Senator Bryce Wiggins joining us on the program discussing uh, the two measures signed by the governor that would affect the capital city, Mississippi's capital city of Jackson. The first one expands the Capitol Complex Improvement District, acronym CCID. And that means that Capitol Police. I believe the plan is for them to work through an an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, with the City of Jackson police in patrolling and servicing the expanded district. That's your understanding as well, That's correct. Yeah. It didn't start that way, but that's how it ended. Um, And then the other would establish a new judicial district, which I think is temporary, has a, a, a termination associated with it. But that's because, as the Senator said, there's a backlog of cases that aren't being heard. Also, you should know, there's not a jail in the city of Jackson. There's not a functioning, operating jail. There was at one time. There is a building, there is a jail facility, but there are no staff required to operate it. And That causes problems. Criminals get arrested, and then they get released, or they maybe are held in the Hines County facility, which is falling apart, by the way, down towards Raymond on Highway 18, if you're familiar with the central Mississippi area. Moe's asked, did 1020 have any funding in it? It did. We asked the senator that, and he, he talked about how they have worked with Commissioner Tyndall because the Capitol Police is under his purview and how they would establish funding and allocate money to beef up the staffing there to um, expand the Capitol Police jurisdiction and then you've got to operate a court as well. So And I know folks object to that, and you heard the senator say it. He heard it from his own constituents. I don't want to pay for that. But he and the other members of the legislature, the governor, the lieutenant governor, the speaker, saw fit to enact this legislation and feel like that it is uh, important uh, to the entire state. You may disagree with that. I kind of have mixed feelings about it. You know, and I live here. We live in central Mississippi, and even though I don't live in the city of Jackson, I travel through it regularly. I go to meetings and functions, eat, etc. I want to see it thrive. I do think that when it's not, it holds back the whole state. People may disagree with me on that, and that's fine. I do think it's a problem. It's embarrassing. I'm, I'm shocked, though. Are you not to find out that half of the Senators said they've been a victim of a crime in the city of Jackson? Half! Some multiple is what Senator Wiggins said. That's insane. That's a wake-up call. Now what I think the NAACP is doing here, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but... The legislature, the state government in Mississippi is racist because they won't allocate any money and resources to an ailing city. And then when the legislature does it, well, you're a racist for allocating money and resources to this city. Is it not a conflict? What am I getting wrong here? is, is that's from the you're ne- it's never enough you're never pleased you're never happy we are perpetually aggrieved we don't know how to function without being aggrieved we thrive on being aggrieved we love to point fingers at everybody else for our problems at our plight so you get castigated for not helping and then when you help you get excoriated both terms, they're synonyms. It's the truth. Uh, it, but the senator shared with us that the reps, the senators from that area, and reps said, "Yeah, we need help." Said the, what do you say? The DA even said, "We need help." Well, sure. Man, it's it's sad, honestly. And I I know a lot of people, like myself, the great late J.T. from South Jackson. I was from West Jackson. It'll bring a tear to your eye to go to those areas today. He talked about it a few years ago before it got to the state it is today. It's steadily declined since then. He, He had the same memories I do of growing up in those areas. Great families, great style of life, great schools, great places to worship and shop and eat. We didn't worry about being harmed by idiots, by criminals. It it happened, of course, because they're bad people, but not where you've got to constantly be watching your back the way you do today. Where half of the dang state senate says, I've been a victim of a crime in the state's capital city. That is embarrassing. I don't think there's another state in this country where that would occur if you asked that same question. How many of you have been a victim of a crime in the Capitol? Because all of, all of them do their business in the Capitol City, in a Capitol building. That's the way we operate in this country. I bet we have the distinction of having a, a, the only state where half of the Senate body has been a victim of a crime in the Capitol City. And yet, the mayor and his entourage can sit in the gallery at the house. I was there, I was on the other side, and it was three, four hours of banter. You remember that. It was fiery debate about this. And he can sit there with his entourage and act like it's not a problem. But of course, think about it, Rhino, he learns from the highest levels of government. They, too. The border, oh, it's secure. Crime, there's no crime problem. Did you see the Corinne Jean-Pierre made a statement yesterday where she blamed Republicans for the fentanyl crisis, said Republicans want fentanyl on the street and increased crime. Huh? What the heck is she talking about? What is she talking seriously? What is she talking about?
1: She doesn't know. She's just reading, and she's reading nonsense propagated by other idiots. It's unbelievable. You know. And you know what that statement is rooted in? The debt ceiling
3: bill. She's trying to twist and manipulate this bill designed to rein in this radical spending and these outrageous deficits and $31 trillion of debt. Oh, Republicans want fentanyl. No. You know what? Maybe if you didn't allow people to sit on their butt and collect government benefits and not contribute to society, maybe we wouldn't have this problem. That's what spawns it. There's no doubt. Laziness is at the core of this. And we have a government that says, it's okay, just sit home, we'll send you money. It's It's, not your fault. Yeah, never. Never is it your fault. It's clear that the Speaker's bill breaks House Republicans' commitment to America. They're fighting to put fentanyl on the street by defunding Border Patrol, huh? Nobody said anything about that. This from the same party that wanted to arrest and prosecute Border Patrol agents who were trying to keep the peace alleged that they were using the reins of their horses on their mount to whip people, because it fits their little agenda. Pay no attention to what your eyes see in that video. We're not talking about AI deepfakes here. We're talking about accurate, authentic video evidence. Don't pay any attention to that. She goes on to say that the Speaker's bill, the Limit, Save, and Grow Act, which I personally think doesn't go far enough because it mainly addresses future spending, it doesn't really tackle current overspending. The Speaker's position is that unless the President and the Senate agree to that job killing, cost increasing, anti farm, anti health care, anti education agenda, they're going to default and crash the economy. This is how we got 31 trillion in debt. That's how that's why you're paying four bucks a gallon. That's why the cost of your groceries are so high. That's why your wages aren't keeping pace with the increased cost of living. This is why. This is how they think. And they take responsibility for nothing ever. Just like the mayor. Same deal. I'm telling you, that's where it comes from. It's trickle down madness, is what it is. Coming right back, final segment.
2: Like she's never it me, me, me at ah, it's so was- awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Yeah. Mm. Come on, let's get on with the show! Yes. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: back in the Element Well Studios. It's the final segment on this. Hump Day! So, we've talked a lot about various diluting of standards is maybe one way to express it that I believe puts us on the march to mediocrity. Las Vegas High School English teacher Laura Jean Penron is upset about the new grading system being Implemented in this rather large school district. No more deadlines. You don't have to turn in assignments by a certain date. And they're basically, we talked about this ungrading phenomenon that's going on in the country. So, in this district, homework out the window not assigning much homework, no more deadlines. They call this equitable grading. Equitable grading. Clark County School District is the nation's fifth largest. There are dozens of districts across the country, by the way, that have also abandoned traditional grading and deadlines. It's just incredible that we keep doing so much to accommodate rather than trying to help those, which, which essentially hurts those that can navigate difficult tasks, assignments, endeavors, like the mortgage deals. Exactly what that is. We're accommodating there folks who are irresponsible, and we're punishing people who are responsible. That's sort of what happens here when, when you eliminate grading. And this is, a, uh, this is something that's catching on across the country. I don't know that it has occurred. I don't know if any districts in Mississippi have adopted equitable grading They still award A through Fs, but the criteria has been totally overhauled. Homework, in class discussions, practice work, formative assessments are weighted at between 10 to 30 percent. The bulk of the grade is earned through what are described as summative assessments, such as tests or essays, but in many cases, you can take the test as often as you like till you get the grade score you're looking for. You can't do anything to earn extra credit if you want to work a little harder. And The scale starts at 50 percent. Just show up, you get a 50. Unbelievable. I, I disagree with this, I really do. This pansification of our society. You think they're doing this in Asia? China? Japan? No. Probably not. Where they, they really focus on achievement, do they not? And it's, it's, a, it's a, a critical
1: part of their culture, certainly in Japan. It's what helps engender a very high-trust society. Exactly. Where you can have a convenience store that's not staffed, just open and unlocked. Yeah. You can go in, take what you need. Pay on your way out. It's the honor system. A country where little kids can walk around in public without fear of being attacked or harassed or kidnapped.
3: Unlike the big Target store in downtown San Francisco that now has locked everything up. Not just high-priced small items. Everything is locked up. In the flagship store, um, what's it called? Not Fresh Market, the other one. Whole Foods. Whole Foods in San Francisco. Shut down. That's where they started. They shut down. San Francisco said, we, we can't absorb the crime. They're stealing us blind. And they're just back on the streets and we look the other way. It's unbelievable. It's gotten to the point on the ceasefire text line where nine and a half times out of ten, if they're hollering racism, they are the racist. Just like Jackson needs help. Well, they got it. But no, it's racist. Theft never ceases to amaze. It's just, it fits the narrative and it seems to engender power. It's crazy. Unbelievable. In some schools, a 50 is a D. Right. That's from Moe's. Half the county votes for these policies that are not working. Jeff, down in uh, Forest County, wow, got a little upset there. He, uh it tends to happen when your nonsense gets called out. Are not blue state policies much more successful? Define success in what specific policies, Jeff?
1: You mean like the ones that allow shoplifters to take anything under $900 that's causing stores to close down?
3: Or stores like Target to have to put everything they sell behind lock and key. Or... Maybe successful innovators like the guy who invented the cash app to get brutally stabbed to death on the street. You also saw before we go, San Francisco now is allowing non-citizens to be police officers. We're out of here today. We'll discuss more of this tomorrow back in the Element Well Studios. Until then, stay safe and God bless.